On today's Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, the Bears roll out victory number one. Not too pretty, but we'll take it. Also, a no-hitter on the north side of town. And for the Sox, an offense that is impossible to put to sleep. We discuss it all now on Episode 2. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, presented by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. I'm Joey Gelman, here with Dan Collins. He's on Twitter, at TweetDanCollins. I'm on Twitter, at Joey Gelman. You can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. Dan I don't, I don't even know where to start today. There were so many emotions on my couch watching the Bears, and we'll do Bears with a little bit of baseball as we get through it, as, as Dan said in the teaser, but I, I, I don't even know where to begin because it's so much hype going into it. You're so excited football's back, and then the Bears for two to three quarters look like the worst team in history. And then they find a way to come back, and I become the biggest meatball fan running around the house being so excited that they won a football game. I went from well, zero that, to 100 in, in two out, three hours. Zero to 100 real quick? Real quick. <laughs> um, what was that? <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think you summed it up perfectly because my feelings were this. The first three-fourths of the game, for the most part, it was, all right, I guess we know what the storyline's going to be. Then all of a sudden, you throw it all away, you put it in the trash can, you're like, all right, well, show's going to go a different direction today. <laughs> I'll tell you what, and we'll, we'll break it all down in a second, but what I felt about 15 to 20 minutes after that game, after I, you know, chatted a couple groups you know you send a few text messages out you look at the person sitting next to you and you kind of discuss it and you know you're in the heat of the moment and you're trying to figure out what in the hell you just watched when it was all said and done hell i'm just happy the bears won a game of course i'm happy we won week one i'm happy it's over do we know if mitch is the quarterback or not do we know if the offense took a step forward are you a little upset the defense almost gave it away at the end, this top five defense? Are you a little upset that they came this close from blowing it? <laughs> are you are you still thinking once again that maybe we're not going to go too far with Mitch? Maybe. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just going to be happy. <laughs> I'm happy we snuck out with the win. And that's where I'm at now. But, but... Obviously, we, we, we won't be doing a show unless we kind of uh, discuss the whole thing from start to finish. Let's just do that. Let's start from the beginning. Let's first go the first three quarters, the first three quarters plus, and what your feelings were. And then we'll talk about the great stuff at the end. The first three quarters or so, I don't know. Break out the percentage chart. Mostly on <laughs> Mitch. Mostly on some drop passes. A little bit. A tiny bit of the play calling. I I wanted to see more. I wanted – it's funny. It, it seems like what people really wanted was they were almost upset that Mitch did do that comeback because if he doesn't and he's just <laughs> exactly. the Mitch that he was the first three quarters, all right, we're done. I could throw it in on him. I could, we, we could be logical about this. We know it's just week one. He's definitely not the guy. We hate him. Get him out of here. 
but then he changed the narrative there at the very end. And I'm just interested, Joey, on what you saw those first three quarters, because what I saw was something still incomplete. Yes, there were some passes that could have been caught. You know, Graham missed a couple here. Allen missed a couple here. But then there were also a couple inaccuracies on Mitch's end where he should have put the ball here. He should have put the ball there. And when you get all that coupled together, which is almost a lot of what we saw last year where, oh, a lot of drops. Oh, but now, now you know, the receivers are there, but Mitch is missing his target. That's what the first three quarters were. But then luckily they figured it out at the end. But that's at least what I saw in the beginning. Yeah, I, I, you know, I forget who wrote it on Twitter. I'm sorry I don't know my research because I think it was probably a random bot or someone I randomly follow that has no importance to my life. But There you go. <laughs> but they literally said, this Bears game I've seen a thousand times. And yes. they're exactly right. It, 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 it was a game where you couldn't get in a rhythm at all and – you had six points in the first half for being an offensive first team, as they told you. Yeah. And you were just stuck. There was inaccuracies. There was bad throws. There were a lot of drops. And then there were a lot of catches that should have been made, whether it's Robinson or Jimmy Graham, mistiming a jump early in the game. And that could have saved you because every they were going – they were 0 for 7 at one point in the first half on, on – Third down conversions. Third down, exactly. Yeah. And, and and they couldn't get any rhythm. I will say they, they committed to the run, which I was kind of surprised by early, which which did okay for them. Um, but it was really like the same story of they can't figure this out. There's weapons. There's really good pieces here. And you're just still missing that linchpin at quarterback. It was still missing. And whatever they told me last week in practice was not true i mean i'm back in town in chicago this weekend and i'm sitting next to my dad on the couch and he's like i can't listen to Nagy anymore because he lied to me because he said this team was going to be better and well he said that last year too right and but he keeps saying and it's never true and it's like that was real for three quarters of this game and then fourth quarter trubisky something clicked and switched and and you read the stat line, you go, wow, 200-plus yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers. That's a good day. It but was that great. Was, that was in 15 <laughs> minutes. The rest of the game was a disaster, and, and the Lions gave you that game. But we'll, we'll focus on the first half for now. But it was that's what still concerns me. Is I, I, I'm ecstatic they won. It was awesome to put all my blood, sweat, and tears into a football game again for three hours today. I missed that terribly. But it's still really scary because if that's not the Lions, you're not surviving that first half like they did. No way. Oh, the first half was dreadful. And not only that, it was the same game you watched over and over again where not only can the offense just not get in rhythm, but it's the same set. We can't even get a touchdown. Not only if it's through the air or on the ground. Like, we're sitting here with six points, two field goals. Yeah. We can't get to the red zone. We can't get into the end zone. What is going on? We finally thought we had somewhat of a competent tight end, whether it be a veteran or a hotshot rookie. The veterans mistiming his jump. The rookie we haven't necessarily put in there too many times yet. It's like, what is happening? But then we turned it all around. Beginning of the game, I don't know. Was be honest. At any was there any point of the game, which if if it did happen, it would probably be any time within the first three quarters. Did you turn to the person next to you, whether it be your dad or somebody else, or even just think to yourself in your head, 
All right, let's just put in Nick Foles. Let's see what we got. I was getting was texts about it. <laughs> I was getting texts about it from friends of like, this is stupid. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, how can they let this happen? Or how could Trubisky have possibly beaten him out in practice because this is a train wreck? But I, I knew in my heart of hearts they weren't going to do it. They're not going to do that yeah. for a long time, like a couple of weeks if it was necessary. And to Trubisky's credit, he earned himself another week. But there, there were there were points early on where it was like, this is... Is everyone watching the same thing I'm watching? Like, this is the this, guy. This is a dumpster fire, out. right? This, this is the this guy. guy. Well, I mean, I guess you could you could fast forward now to the end and all the pretty parts. And I mean, I, where are you at now? <laughs> like, like I said, I'm just happy we won the damn game. But how confident are you with this guy moving forward? Let's be happy we won. But now look a little bit bigger picture. We're not going to take week one. Obviously, you're coming out of a part where. There was no, you know, preseason game snaps, you know, that any of these games played. So, I mean, this is still week one. I mean, it's a lot of what we saw last year, you know, with a couple inaccurate passes, with a couple drop balls. Some people looking from the outside, like say you didn't watch any Bears games, you know, the past two or three years. You could have looked at some of that and you could have said, oh, that's rust. You know, that's a factor of maybe only doing training camp this offseason. But the reality is... Maybe, no, maybe one or two of those, but no, this has been the same song and dance for the past couple seasons, especially last season. That's just not going to get the job done. The reality of the situation is, if you're not facing the Lions, who just threw up all over themselves at the end of the game, (laughs) I mean, let's talk about that for a complete second. I mean, they just completely botched it toward the, uh, they they pulled the Detroit Lions. Yeah, Uh, I, I, I... Oh, Kenny Galladay less. That's Detroit true. Lions at that. that. That must be but said. They if they were, had him down there at the end, that would have been a little scary. Yes, but they were up 23-6, to six and they said, you know what, we're going to be greedy and go for a field goal on the 50-yard line. And granted, Prater had the leg, he just missed it. But that's the decision you go, yeah, I want the points, but otherwise you pin them. And it's like you, you, you had two back-to-back plays of you roll out Stafford trying to kill the clock, and then you kick a needless field goal and let the Bears right back into the game. Well, that's not... They, they absolutely did. They had no business being there. To be fair, I guess you could have said this. You could have said, all right, let's pin the pair, let's pin the Bears back. Obviously, they've been crap all day on offense. We're in a good position. No need to make this 50... No need to attempt this 50-plus yarder. Or, you know, you run them out there Somebody like Prater, who has made kicks like that before, you don't have to worry about wind conditions, you know, because you're in a dome. So you have that on your side. And if you miss it, well, like I said, the Bears have been crap on offense all day. What? There's no way you would have expected, what was it, three to five plays is all it took on that drive once the Bears took over. And then, boom, they're, they're in the end zone for the first time. Right. Nobody really saw that coming. And then they do that, and you go, oh, whoa, this is nuts. And then... They get the ball back on the defensive turnover on interception by Kyle Fuller. And it was at that moment you kind of felt like, oh, boy, they're in business now. Granted, it was that 50-plus yard miss that started it all, but it was, it was weird. It's like that was literally what sparked it. There, there was the wick right there. And then as soon as the ball hit the crossbar, as soon as it doinked off, if you will, psh, there it was. It just, it just set it all ablaze, which very proud of. They still almost had a chance to win that game at the very end, though. I mean, 
They have one last final drive. And if you're the Bears, that top five defense, you know, that, that we're, we're claiming them to be, we said it on the last show, that was a little bit of a letdown there. Because who is it? Let, let me look into the notes here. DeAndre Swift, just around 10 seconds left in the game. If he secures that ball and takes it to the it's end over. zone, that's a heartbreaker. Now, granted, that doesn't necessarily take anything away from Mitch. You say, wow. I mean, he still had that stat line. He still did it at the end. Still, No matter what, you don't erase what he did in the first three quarters. But the way he ended it, it's still no longer on Mitch. Toward the end, he did everything he needed to to give that team the chance to win. So it's not like if Swift holds on to that ball and scores a touchdown, it erases that Mitch Trubisky confusion narrative on what the hell do we have here? I don't know. But it really writes the story of, come on, defense. Like, there's no way. <laughs> we can't go all game missing some passes, dropping some balls, finally getting some Mitch Trubisky heroics for you to just blow it at the end. But which didn't happen, and that's why I'm happy we at least solidified that. All comes full circle, though, and if you look at all that, still trust the defense going forward. You know what else I still trust moving forward, though? I still have faith there's going to be some Mitch Trubisky inaccuracies. I just think that's who he is. We said it last week. I don't think that changes. Do we still have a few drop balls? Yeah, that's what we got. We didn't we didn't upgrade that well so far. You know, I mean, we had a lot of drops last year. Hopefully those drops decrease, but that's still going to come. And the thing is, if you drop, if you have, say, two to three drops a game on the Chicago Bears offensive side, the reason why that is so bad is because odds are you're going to have at least around a handful of your inaccurate passes by Mitch. At least that's what's been steady throughout, and that was steady today. So if you continue to have roughly a handful of drops coupled with roughly a handful of inaccurate passes by Mitch Trubisky, you equal exactly what you had today which was a very very scary situation, and you need late-game heroics, defensive heroics, to win the game. That's where you put yourself in. So to me, that's where we're at is this is the recipe for the Bears moving forward is odds are we're going to be in this situation a lot. And if Mitch is the Mitch he was in the final 7-5, two minutes of today's game, maybe you win a couple of those, maybe you don't. Yeah, and, and and I hope you're right. I hope that can be a recipe for them, like to kind of work. It's just it's a very stressful recipe and can be disastrous. But yeah, there there there's two big things I want to take away from what you said, and it's it's I'll start with the defense first. And I think I I, I don't know if you can pin it all on one guy, but you're really seeing what it truly means to have a a uh, 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 presence up front without Eddie Goldman. And I think people really underestimated that with all the names you have on that defense and Mack and Hicks and everyone up front, he's really a disruptor, Eddie Goldman is. And and you saw today that they really had difficulty getting pressure on, on Stafford and it led up. I mean, granted, they were on the field a lot today because the offense was so bad early on. But it, it was really... I don't know, a telling sign of what they're missing, and, and they got to really clean that up. And that and that last play at the end where they just wide open the end zone, they just had nothing on them. It, it, it showed its ugly head. And I think there's a huge different narrative with that. If they lose like that, I think the focus, it's still going to be on Trubisky, but he's still kind of 
the the focal point of today's discussion. The defense is kind of on the wayward, like the, the back end of your conversation because they won. If they lost because of that, and you realize in totality what they did today really wasn't that great, then that's a that's a bigger deal, and it can be a discussion to be had. Um, so I think that's one thing you got to look out for is how are they going to replace Goldman because it clearly wasn't that today, and the Lions aren't that great of a team. So that that's what concerns you. The other thing, and I won't go on a rant. We, we can banter back and forth. But the other, the other. <laughs> oh, thing, you're good. Go for it. Get on the soapbox. The other thing I wanted to say about it, about everything today, was you talked about um, rust, and I talked about it last week too. Of how it's going to be a weird game because none of these teams have played anything meaningful in a year, nope. and you look at today, and and I think about what I said. And now I'm at the point where I'm so sick of making excuses. There like you it, go. It, it, it can't always be rust or they weren't ready or the team. Just like the drop pass excuses, right? right? Oh, Mitch could be good. They just keep dropping the ball. Right. And, 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 I, and I'm just so sick of that because then I turn on the red zone and I see this other teams in the same boat as the Bears are because no one's played. And it's, it's as if they never missed a beat. Yeah. And I go well. And I go well. Wait a minute. Why? Why do I sit here and rationalize with myself that I'm okay making excuses for my team and my quarterback because it's early or it's still young in his career or he still has to grow? When I look at everyone around the league and they just do it, they're not being catered on the field, having their hands held to say, "Here you go. You can do this. It's okay if you mess up. It's early and rusty." Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that. Deshaun Watson didn't have that. Lamar Jackson didn't have that. They, they, they don't have that expectation of, we'll give him a little time because it's early and they could be rusty. It's like, right. no. I'm, I'm, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm sick of making excuses for my team and, 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 and the quarterback who plays for it. I wish he gets better. I hope he gets better. He showed promise at the end of the game today, which is great. But the fact that they came out that flat is, inex- is unacceptable. Well, let's say this. They're not necessarily excuses. Sure, you know what? They can be reasons. For example, maybe they're a little rusty because they haven't even played a preseason game. It's a different kind of year. That's reasonable. You know, there's some rationale behind that. Oh, Mitch Trubisky, obviously, stats-wise, does a little better if all those drops were completions, especially if they're definitely at an NFL level should be made catch. Logical. That could be five extra completions right there. I'm not. I have to look at how many drops there were today. I'm just saying, in theory, if there were five drops, those five drops are completions, and if one or two of them are in the end zone, then yeah, then that could even be two touchdown, two touchdown passes. I get that. Those could technically be reasons instead of excuses. The thing is, if you want to be a year in and year out Super Bowl contending team, if you want to be a team who knows how to win late in games, which if you're going to be a winner. In any sport, you have to learn how to win late in games and learn how to win the close ones, which luckily the Bears did today. But what I'm what I'm getting to here is those are the teams that still get it done. You can have passes in a game. You could be coming off of a little bit of rust, but you find ways to get it done. You find ways to make plays. That's why I was talking about this with a buddy earlier. Patrick Mahomes in any sport, at least in the top four American sports, he has to be the quickest automatic Hall of Famer ever. I mean, oh, he's, already in, he, he's already in the hall. Easily. He's in the hall. <laughs> After but, what, two years? Three years? Oh, he's Mitch's year. So, yeah, this is his fourth year. 
This is four. This is year four. This is game one of year four he just played. He's in the hall already. Yeah. Regardless, it's players like that. And you don't even have to be at the Patrick Mahomes caliber level. You know, you, you could be a few notches below, but it's the winners. The winners still know how to win. The winners still know how to throw some passes to receivers that are dropped and get over it, get on to the next play, and they make a play. Instead of your wide receiver one or your tight end one dropping a pass and the next one or two you throw are inaccurate, you make a you make a great play. You pick up your you pick up your guys. That's what that's what the Bears need if they're gonna be a winner. Do we get that somewhat towards the end? Yeah, Mitch made some plays. And his guys made some plays. Anthony Miller made a good play. Jimmy Graham was there when you needed him in the end zone. That did happen. But I like that you brought that up because those are fair reasons, and those are reasons for average teams and mediocre teams that don't make it to the next level. If the Bears want to make it to the next level, you have to start overcoming that. You have to start being the Mitch Trubisky who, if Anthony Miller drops a pass or even if Allen Robinson drops a pass, you make a great play behind right. that. And because of that, now instead of turning a drop, pass, a drop pass and an inaccurate pass into a three and out or 0-7 you know, to start the game on third down conversions, now maybe you're three for seven. Or now maybe you're extending a drive because of that. Another thing to mention, Joey, I'm glad you brought up the defense. Let's look at the stat line here. One sack by Akeem Hicks. So that's just one thing I want to bring up, just one sack, which, you know, whatever. You know, take that for what it is. But a couple, two things I want to bring up. One, Khalil Mack, three solo sacks, one, one, one assist. Well, I mean, three solo tackles, one assisted tackle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you could tell the, the Lions game planned around him because, you know, he, you didn't see that. He didn't necessarily make a highlight reel out there today. So I want to bring that up. And then finally, if the Lions did what they should, what Joey thinks they definitely should have. And instead of attempting that 50 plus yard field goal and maybe pinning the bears, maybe it's a little bit of a different story. Maybe they come out with a victory. And the storyline is they were able with Adrian Peterson, who was just signed on Tuesday, right? Combining for over a century's worth of yards on Sunday, setting the tone, controlling the clock. Like you shouldn't be able to do that against the bears. They were this close to doing it. And I understand they didn't, but they were moving the ball controlling almost it was almost like this relaxed it was like it was like a slow painful loss that was coming about <laughs> until the until the until the yeah. spark hit with the missed field goal but that scared me a little bit i don't i don't like that the detroit lions without kenny galladay with the with the help of an adrian peterson who granted future hall of famer himself was just signed less than a week ago right is controlling the tempo of the game like that yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right in what you said last week of the Bears are the better team. And I agree with you, but they weren't the better prepared team today. And that's what was the most frustrating is that there's this reality of every week, and it happened last year too, of they just seem to kind of be outcoached or outsmarted early on, and they're not, they're not the one coming out of the gates firing. It's every other team. And you see them today, the Bears, to their credit, as poorly as they played, they, you know, Came back, won the game, took advantage of the Lions' mistakes. But you want them to be the team that puts up 20 unanswered and then says, now come come and try to come back on us. But that never seems to really be be the case with them. I don't know. No. <laughs> well, that definitely wasn't the case today. Funny enough, I was watching the very first drive of the Bears, which what was it, like run-run, pass attempt? Yeah, it was a good run like turner scheme, yeah. I was like, no, this this is Joey's, like... This is this is what he loves to watch. He loves the Mitch Trubisky first drive, and this is what we get. Yeah, they took and it maybe, away from me. 
maybe that was more of we haven't even really had a you know we hadn't had a preseason you know to go over some list of plays or nothing making no i am trust me i am but like yeah they really kind of watered that first series down it was very boring it was very it was like this is what joey was working his whole weekend up for (laughs) and this is what you give him i don't know I will say this, though. We're, we're taking little jabs and whatnot at the defense. At the end of the day, that interception was huge. Massive. Without that Kyle, Kyle Fuller pick, Bears probably don't win that game. I mean, that set it up. You went from a missed field goal to boom, 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 right down the field afterwards and a touchdown, your first of the game, to then picking off the ball right there in Lions territory. Like I said, once that happened, I was like, oh, yeah, it was just – it was a domino effect, and it happened so quickly that that's you know the reason why we were able to win this game. I mean, it, it was yeah. the proof was in the pudding. So and what's at hilar- the end of the day, yeah, go ahead. it was still the defense that helped us. Oh yeah, and I just think it's hilarious as a, as a fan because this is the only team where like I could be so angry and bitch and moan about them, and I love I hate when they lose, but I love the post game when they lose because everyone's pissed off and. It's a whole commiserating community together. Or you text me or I'll text you about, like, what the hell was that? Like, what did they just do? But then they come back, and it's like, oh, I forgot all of that because I love this team, and I'm the biggest meatball in the world, and I'm so excited for them to win. It's the only team that I'm a fan of that does that to me, where it's this ginormous Ron Burgundy roller coaster of emotions. Well, he's in a glass case, but I'm going to make it a roller coaster. A roller coaster of emotion, and it was a blast. I'm still angry, and and they should have played better. But you mean you mean five? You mean ten minutes of that game was a blast? Yeah, ten minutes of the game was a blast. <laughs> well, you you kind of already answered the question before we went into some other big Chicago headlines from today and over the weekend. I was just going to ask your overall feeling, take where you're at with the Chicago Bears after Week One, a Week One victory at that, and I guess it's where it is. You're kind of. Just happy like me, I guess? Yeah, I'm in between. I, I, I'm very happy they won. 1-0 is actually a big deal. And I'm just a, a little frustrated because they, they had the same bad habits of starting slow, not being prepared, seeming to be rusty. And I, I, I'm I'm just tired of... Oh, now you're tired. You were just happy. No, no, no. I'm happy. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is instead of saying I'm tired of, of them making excuses for not being good... Like, I'm tired as a fan of me making my own excuses of, like, oh, like, they'll be fine. Like, this isn't as bad as I think it is because you need more reps, you need more time. It's like, no, like, I want them to be better now. And so moving into next week, I'm optimistically expecting that. Like, they they snuck out with a win today. It was awesome. So then for next week, you, you got to take that momentum and say, okay, what worked in that fourth quarter that allowed us to do this? And then replicate it. I mean, I know it sounds pretty simple, but now you you actually, like you said, there's game tape now. It's not just Mitch versus Mitch. It's it's actual game tape that you can hopefully use and building up because starting out one and zero is a real confidence boost. As as crazy as it can be, a win's a win. And now if you could be two and zero playing eh, football, then. Go for it and grow. I'm all for it. I'm excited. I'm just it was just such an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I have a feeling like it's gonna be that maybe all year. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I had it was a fun time watching the game today. 
heck, I'm happy we came out with the win. It was just fun. It was fun to watch Bears football. It was fun to watch the Lions just hand us another victory, as it seems like they do that all so often. Was it O for their last five against us? And they just can't catch a break against us, which I am more than a fan of. There, there's plenty of teams we can't catch a break of, so don't worry about it. I'll take it any day of the week. The thing is, here comes the negative side. I'm going into next week, and obviously we'll preview the game later on in the week on, on episode three. I basically just still have the same questions. Mm-hmm. I still have the same questions. I don't know how sustainable this type of Mitch Trubisky is. Yes, he showed flashes of good quarterback play toward the end. No, he didn't botch it at the end. You know, we put him in a pretty decent position. There was a missed field goal that he took advantage of, capitalized on it. There was an interception in Lions territory toward the end where he just backed up his last touchdown with another one. He capitalized on that. He didn't He didn't fumble the ball. He didn't lose it when we needed him the most. That's fine. However, it took way too long to get there, and we still needed things to light that momentum. You still needed that missed field goal that kind of guided the way. I mean, maybe he didn't need it. For all, maybe he was still – maybe you could have pinned the Bears back and he still was going to drive the team down the field. I don't know that, but you had that feeling. There were still those things that came that prefaced those touchdowns, the missed field goal, the interception, what have you. So you still had that. I want to see Mitch Trubisky take the Bears down the field after a touchback you know, or after a three and out. That's, that's what I want to see. Can he Can he get us there? I don't know. Still feel like it's just not a sustainable way. I don't I don't feel like he's a, a winning quarterback necessarily, even though he won for us today. So yeah, I mean I, I basically still have the same type of questions. I still don't really know what we have. In terms of the Bears being a top five defense, eh, that's questionable. Maybe week one Russ, and like you said, you, you there's something like an Eddie Goldman you're trying to replace now and whatnot. Sure. Time to figure that out. See if Khalil Mack could be a little more effective. I know teams Game plan, game plan like crazy against him, but I would still like to see him be a little more effective, be that top-notch guy on defense. And that's where I'm at. We'll preview it a little bit more in episode three, but same type of questions. Yeah, but. I agree. And, and you had some gift wrap scenarios, and the Bears took advantage, which was awesome. And so now you you, it, you you played one game, but it doesn't feel like you learned enough. And you hope you can learn more next week and have them take advantage because – this team has really high expectations, and and you are really wanting to see them be met. And so I, I, <laughs> I hope they can. I, I'm gonna always be excited because it's the Bears, and I'm ecstatic they're back. And to to put all my energy into that today was a lot of fun, and it's something we haven't done in a long time. So well, you know what else to be ecstatic about is that game just ended. It was freaking crazy. I was taking my hat off, wiping off the sweat, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Hey, turn the channel, strap your seatbelt in. Alec Mills is throwing a no-hitter against the Brewers. How about it? <laughs> and there you go. It's funny. You, you almost have to think about, I think, the no-no, <laughs> which we, we might have buried the lead ourselves on the show, should be top-notch, not top-notch, but front and center on Chicago newspapers tomorrow over the Bears' week one win and you know the, the, the Mitch Trubisky comeback, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, but... And you can make the argument that more people in town are going to care more about the Bears football victory week one than an Alec Mills no-hitter against the Brewers. But what the heck? That was crazy. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting on your couch and the roller coaster is, holy moly, like what is going on? And like I said, we're, we're running up against the clock here so we could break that break the game down more, you know, on episode three. 
but just initial reactions of what that all means. First time in history the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs had a starting pitcher sling a no-hitter in the same season. Tell me 2020 has been the worst year. It might have been, but that's not bad. No, that's a great win for 2020. We needed one of those. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just happy that it was like, wow. Like, I looked at my phone today, and I was like, this year's been crap. But, man, am I happy at least sports are going on. Oh, yeah. Alec Mills would have no-no. Giolito would have no-no earlier in the year. Bears week one victory. I mean, you, you mentioned it even before the show. You were getting into it. The, the two... The two no hitters that were thrown in Milwaukee, your favorite your favorite Cubs pitchers of all time, right? Yes, and Brano and Alec Mills. <laughs> <laughs> what is what does something like that mean for the Cubs? Because it's funny, you, you go back to, you know, that that Zambrano no hitter. I think of the the Jake Arietta one was against the Dodgers. You know, that's that's the one that I think about. And now all of a sudden, Alec Mills, add him to the list, huh? What is this again? Burley, Burley, Philip Umber. Um, Zambrano, Arietta, Alec Mills, Giolito. Like, what, what's up with all these Chicago arms throwing these We've no hitters? That's damn good pitching, that's for sure. It's impressive. It, it, it's fun. I mean, it really puts the it really puts what is it the cherry on top of the ice cream or the cake in terms of what this weekend's been for Chicago sports? Because man, what what a time to be a Chicago sports fan! What a time to do a podcast about believing in Chicago sports and being a sports fan. See, we planned it perfectly. We can now believe in our teams, damn it. There we go. B-L-E-A-V. <laughs> B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Chicago sports. And another reason to believe in Chicago sports, because like we said, the bats on the south side, they're not going away either. The day before kickoff between the Bears and the Lions, and the Chicago White Sox put up two touchdowns and two extra points. Yeah. 14-0 against the Lions. Or against the Tigers. Oh, Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Oh, my. Oh my. Hold, hold on. <laughs> so 14 nothing over the Tigers. And then we go to the, to the Bears-Lions game today. Victory. Late victory. Almost threw it away ourselves at the very end. No hitter by Alec Mills. We're going to... We're going to run through all that on episode three in terms of reaction of that, the rest of the week of what we're getting. But before we end, a little bit more on what that this offense means for the Chicago White Sox. Heck, we only got like, what, a little over 15-plus games or yeah, so left crazy. in the season? It's nuts. Before you know it, we're, we're just going to be episode five and six. Heck, we'll be in the World Series by what, episode 10? Yeah, right. Hopefully, <laughs> cross, Crosstown World Series with the way everything's wrapping up. Yeah, you might. I mean, it, it's it's awesome because at, at this time of the year is always. I mean, usually there's not really. Well, I guess there's important baseball usually this time of the year, but it's it's it, it's cool to see because the Bears really took my focus all week, and and to have this weekend come and you see Alec Mills do what he did, and you go, okay, that may answer a lot of questions for Cubs and Cubs fans with their rotation and what that means moving forward. That now you have three pitchers that can arguably win big playoff games. And for the White Sox, you didn't know what these bats were actually going to do because you look at the... I mean, I'm just going to relate to the Cubs. It's like, okay, you have Baez, Rizzo, and all these guys have kind of had bigger slumps this year. So you go, okay, can the White Sox sustain it? And then they come out and just mash the ball. It's every, every damn game. They, they have some superpower. I don't even know what to tell you. It's It's... It's some of the most fun, hard-hitting baseball you see. And it's and it's amazing because you look around the league and you go, okay, there's the Mike Trouts of the world, there's the Fernando Tatises of the world. Like, they're these singular entities. Yeah. You have a White Sox lineup 
that has five guys that can do that same thing in a game, and you see it when they score 14 runs. I mean, it's it's awesome to, to kind of see both teams come out, like yesterday and today, and be like, hey, we're still here. We know football just started, but we're kicking ass, and we're trying to make a pennant run. Just remember we're here because we are playing awesome ball, too. And it, it was... It was really nice to see. It keeps him on the radar when this town becomes football-obsessed for the next six months. And it's it, it's proving more and more that a couple of the doubting points you saw on each side of town are proving themselves to be okay. And you go, whoa, and the sky's the limit for this t- these, these teams now as you head into really, really important baseball. I mean, you forget the World Series is kind of on schedule for what it would normally be even though it's a shortened season and it's already September 13th and you go oh this is getting close yep (laughs) yeah you're you're about a month away a little over a month and a half from knowing who's going to be in that that fall class right absolutely and now all we need is the Bears to like erase the doubts. Like you said, yeah, yeah, the Alec Mills coming up. Oh boy, can can he be the man of the rotation who helps right the storm? Oh man, the Sox bats. Yup, they're not going away yet. Are they going to finally right the storm and check that fourteen more games left for the Southsiders this year? But that's what happens in terms of the bats. Like you said, Joey is you don't just have that singular player on your roster, whether it be somebody like a you know Tatis or a Trout. And obviously there's more guys you know, on the Angels and the Padres who can hit as well. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is you're not in that situation anymore like you're the White Sox of a few years ago where really the only legitimate threat you have is a Jose Abreu. Now you have a Jose Abreu, right. and you have a whole lot of guys hitting around him. And now if they have proven themselves worthy enough and good hitters, now you got to be careful with everybody. And that's just a lethal combination for opposing teams. You got a guy like Tim Anderson, who is, you know, in the MVP race. Jose Abreu, who's in the MVP race, you know, along with guys like Trout and whatnot. And then you have Eloy Jimenez, who's just having a fantastic type of type of season for the White Sox, following up a good season he had last year. So And Robert could just, be rookie of the year. I mean Give it to me. You know? What are you talking about? Mail, mail in your vote. Right. You get one of those? I hope you do. Go ahead. Give it Give it to Robert. <laughs> it, it's just been fascinating. And like I said, one of the big things, and we'll talk about it more and more in this podcast, that I just love is that Tim Anderson goes out and batting average-wise is the best hitter in baseball, you know, via the batting average. He wins that, you know, lumptuous great award. But he follows it up with another great season. He follows yeah. it up with an MVP caliber season he's just different so thank you everybody for tagging along we're gonna get more into baseball a lot on on the next episode also break down a little bit of a bears preview going in because we still have questions but don't worry it won't be just a um what what is it just a rewind of our first preview with the bears you know we'll get into some little more things heck i might even watch the game one more time because now i can watch it and be relaxed you know i don't have to worry about oh man are we gonna worry about this no i might just go on the ending I do know the ending, so I can relax, watch some key plays and whatnot. But it was fun. Good week of it was baseball. A blast. Good week of good week of the Bears. I'm glad the NFL's back. I get to look at my fantasy teams all day now in between the Bears and put on my four or five different screens of red zone and Bears football and Cubs baseball, mm-hmm. Sox baseball. Ugh, why did I leave Cubs baseball? Sox baseball, then Cubs baseball. So it was all fun, and we're going to talk more about it on episode three of the Believe in Chicago Sports podcast. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.